Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz. Since 2012, Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance and I have been airing inspiring, insightful conversations with all kinds of change agents who are raising the vibration on our planet. It's the intention of our show to explore possibilities and shift perspectives in holistic, spiritual ways. You'll hear how various industry experts discover and share their deepest passions to make a bigger difference in the world. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And do me a favor, please come back and rate the show so that new people can find us. We'll introduce our next guest in just a moment. Have you ever gone to a social media seminar and you have the online experts telling you, get a blog, get a website, get on social media, all this other stuff. By the time you're done with that seminar, that online expert is very good at frying your brain. The funny part is, you come back home, you get in front of the computer, and you're lost. Hi, I am Mario with Tech Life Balance. I see this all the time. You spend so much money and still don't know what is going on with your online presence. And you know, you probably don't need all of that. Let me go ahead and translate Geek to English for you and show you what you really need because you don't need it all. You probably only need a few components. You have a great message out there and I would like to hear it, and I definitely want to help you put it out there. I am Mario Rosales with TechLifeBalance.net. I produce this podcast because I love distributing messages. Let me help you distribute your message. Hi, it's your host, Cheryl Sitz. And when I'm not doing this podcast, I really enjoy coaching you on how you can have the life you really want. As creators of our own reality, there's a lot of ways that we can block ourselves, hold ourselves back, or just not get really clear on what it is we want. Once we do that, there is no stopping us. I'd love to help you do that. Get in touch with me at CherylSits.com. You know, it's been just a few days since the full moon and the cats are going crazy here. So this is going to be an interesting podcast in every facet, but we'll see where it goes. Welcome to our self-help paradox conversation with Cheryl. And Mario. Welcome. I find these statistics fascinating. Every year, there are over 2 million books sold on personal development. It's a million dollar a year industry. And the largest sector of that is the holistic sector. So if that's why you're listening, you are not alone. However, we're just going to talk about how interesting this whole self-help paradigm is. You've got something else interesting over there, don't you? I find it fascinating that the primary demographic for the personal development is uh, middle-aged women who have large amounts of discretionary spending money, according to this statistic. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. it. It's interesting. It is interesting. And it's talking to me, too, because I've been noticing lately that I've spent most of my life reading self-help books. In fact, it's almost embedded in our culture to want to be better and want to do better and want to evolve and grow and, and to a large extent, fix whatever we perceive to be a shortcoming or wrong with us. And that whole energy just doesn't feel good. Yeah, the consumerism is a large part of that because in the marketing of it, they, they are telling you already, oh, you're not thin enough or you don't look this way or you don't look that way. And even in Hollywood actors, and there's all of these perceptions of we're not good enough in here. Even with men, I mean, you see like that whole masculine uh, definition of muscular men and always fit and that type of thing. <laughs> so, yes, I, I find it everywhere. And personal development just seems to be the, the great 
great catch for all of that. Well, for women, too. I mean, you know, we're all supposed to look like Barbie and Ken, and we're all supposed to be in this niche, this holistic or metaphysical niche, the paradigms around what an awakened, enlightened person looks like. And I'm so glad J.P. Sears came and joined us recently. And I love the way he makes fun of all that so that we can kind of look at ourselves and realize how silly we can be about all this stuff. It has nothing to do with what other people think of what we are or who we are or what we're doing. It's it's a personal journey. It is because within all of that, we have to discover, I have like me going through this whole personal development field industry, I have to look at myself and sometimes it's way too serious that as you and I have discovered, we have to laugh at this. And J.P. Sears is amazing about that. And, and he's hit it right on. I That's why I feel he has been the one to really connect with people about that. Because when you really look at everything we do, it's funny. It is funny. We are funny critters. And I believe that we are divinity in skin, that we come in these joyful, playing, laughing babies and slowly we are culturalized to become what society will accept and promote and embrace. And some of that laughter and that self-acceptance and that asking for what we want, that pureness and that rawness of a child is programmed right out of us. And then we spend all of our money and all of our adult years trying to get back to that innocent little child and the way that we came in. Isn't it ironic? Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, when we're taught to not laugh at ourselves we have if something's broken we have to fix it yeah and that's the irony of all of this is if you just love yourself enough and if you're just comfortable with who you are and your mannerisms my little idiosyncrasies for me as long as i'm comfortable with my little idiosyncrasies and bad habits that i have it doesn't mean i don't want to change them it just means i have i'm embracing the totality of who i am And that's where I think personal development really helps. I have to honor, I would be remiss if I didn't honor that when we've been through traumas in our childhood, that can really make it difficult. I remember for so long people looking at me and saying, well, do you love yourself? And all I could think is, how on earth do I do that? I think I love myself. I'm not sure. Do I love myself? How do I not love myself? Right? And and spinning in this circle of, of how would that look and how do I do that? And Loving ourselves when we grow up believing that we weren't enough, that we invited trauma, that we did something wrong that caused trauma, it can be very challenging to figure out, how do I love myself? What does that even look like? What would that feel like? And even if I go through the motions without really allowing that pain to move through me and to release it, it can get stuck there and it can block me from loving myself. And we always talk about loving ourselves, but the personal development, I feel... That That's some of it, but not even using the words self-love. To me, I would rather use the words accepting the totality of who we are, accepting the totality of, like I said, like I said just a few minutes ago, the, the idiosyncrasies. And so I'm not sure if the word self-love, as we're talking about it right now, is that the right words to use for all of this? I agree. I love that acceptance. And that's really been what I've been playing with now. And to sit for a moment with loving myself and the energy of that, 
accepting myself, even then it can be really hard for me because I'm so programmed that a body would look better if it was thinner, a body would look better if it was firmer, to look in the mirror when my body is not thin and firm and accept that. I feel like somehow I'm settling, somehow I'm saying it's okay not to take better care of myself and I don't want to settle. So I can kind of go into this spin around all of that. And yet, when I truly accept that everything that happens to me and how I respond to it produces the me that I see before me now and that I am still lovable and I am still good, and to feel that, to really sit with that and feel that, I feel my own energy shift and I feel good. And when I feel good, I don't want to eat the things that are causing me to be overweight. I don't want to avoid the exercise and activity that I've been avoiding. I don't want to sit on the couch and, you know, eat junk food. I want to actually be active and do things and eat good foods. From acceptance, I create circumstances that love me. And from pushing away, rejecting, criticizing, judging, I create the very energy that makes me want to do more of the bad things out of rebellion that cause that badness or that out of alignmentness. Am I making sense? Yeah, a lot of that, I feel at least, that I feel that it's all driven by society. Society makes it so challenging for even me, you know, I, we talked about women in the industry, but men also are very high, high part of this, but because we are supposed to be the macho type guys, we're, oh, we're going to fix this. And as we all know the only the only fixing is is just being comfortable with yourself there, it, because sometimes some things you that you think are actually something that's broken it's not really being broken it's just who you are and that's the part the the things that you were talking about were about weight the one of the big number one things that's out there about looking this way or looking that way it's a multi-billion dollar industry, weight loss, weight equipment, weight loss equipment piling up in people's garages because they don't want to use it anyway, but they bought it because they felt bad about it. I mean, it's, it's insane. But Mario, we live in a society that does look at us judgmentally. It's not like we can just all recluse ourselves and feel good about whatever we look like. We're out there in the world every day. I, I, I understand that. And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but it is happening. I mean, for there is a reason why it's happening. This personal development industry is happening for a reason. And I feel this is the times of change. Everybody talks about, oh, what change is coming? Well, look at every aspect of what's going on in society right now. Politics. I'm not even going to go there <laughs> about <laughs> all the details, but look at the tension that's created and look what it's brought up. It's brought up racism it's brought up the class differences it's about business and uh, how it compares to the people that are the you know what people call the blue collar workers and the ceos there's a lot of infighting there and then when you look at the internal parts of society so the individuals the individuals are struggling with who am i because right now money is is either you either have an overabundance of it or, or it seems like you're in the other side of it where it's uh, you, you don't have much of it. So there's a lot of struggle. So it's all those extremes are making us look at what is real. What, what, what is it? And when it comes down to it, the, to me, 
just being comfortable with where you're at in every part of all of that is what's going to drive us to a point that we'll get to a point where looks will be whatever you're comfortable with. The acquisition of wealth would be whatever that's going to be comfortable to you. That's the way I see it right now. And it's happening. It, it looks pretty pretty dirty and pretty vicious, but it seems we can only take one extreme or the other. We're having to learn what is that middle ground. I agree. It's shaking us loose. I mean, it's kind of shaking it out of us as we go through all these extremes. We find our truth in somewhere in the middle. And yet I can feel the single person listening to this going, but that doesn't help me get a date with somebody in this world that we're in right now, because my looks do matter. And my education level does matter, especially in a time when we're even emphasizing that more with online dating. Tell me that that online picture doesn't matter in getting a date. Tell me that they don't look at education and experiences and worldliness and all of that stuff. We've reduced ourselves to a profile for some of this stuff, you know? So how does it not matter? Even if to me, I can say it doesn't matter on some level, I am a beautiful mixture of this evolving spirit and skin and an animal that wants another attractive protector animal. I mean, we're kind of trying to blend both of those parts of ourself in this one reality. And, and that's what I'm saying. We're getting to, we're discovering what that middle ground is because as humans, well, at least for my personal experiences, it seems we have to go to one extreme or the other in order to get to the lesson that, Oh, the middle is another side of it. <laughs> we forget what the middle part is. So now that we get to the, when we get to the middle, what's going to happen after that? Who knows? But that's what I feel the extreme. Right now, that's why it's such an extreme. Uh, I call it an extreme sport of society and life because we are getting those extreme sides and it's exhausting. I don't know about you, but for me, it's pretty exhausting to go to one extreme and the other. Well, in last week's show, interviewing Michael and hearing about how he channels the Joseph communications and, and what the Joseph teachings are about, there is this concern because we have spent so many years on this planet in this duality where we go from one extreme to the other and the cycle repeats itself over and over and over at some cost to our planet and to ourselves. Are we ready to be done with that yet? And how this self-help industry kind of perpetuates that. In one facet, it's helping me heal my old wounds, find myself, become more of, not become more of myself. That's what it's about in, in the industry. The industry is about becoming more. I'm actually ironically learning that I'm already everything that I'm going to be. And it's all these stories of what I'm not that are holding me back. That's been the powerful aha for me. And I love doing that with clients. I love helping my clients see how they're already there. And it's these stories. I'm not old enough. I'm not responsible enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, whatever somebody's telling us, the minute we believe that we become less than. But if we don't believe them, then we already are all that we need to be. I find it interesting in everything that I've been reading and learning about, all these ceremonies and all, everything, when it really comes down to it, we have all these stories we, we have been given. And when you really look at it, when we're born, if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty is what I call it, <laughs> when you're born, you know nothing. And that's probably the 
the happiest moment, the most balanced <laughs> time of your life. Why? Because we've never had those stories ingrained on us. We, we know when we're here, when we're just born, wow, and that's probably why we cry. We're going, it's like, oh, no, now we got to deal with the stories. <laughs> so the baby starts crying. Maybe that's what, why the baby cries. Well, and then it's so primal, right? I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm sleepy. It's about our basic needs. And we just become, we complicate it. From that moment forward, <laughs> yeah. we complicate everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, then it's like, oh, well, uh, you're a girl, so you're going to dress this way. Oh, you're a man, you're going to dress mm-hmm. this way. Oh, you can't play with dolls because you're going to turn gay. Mm-hmm. Or or you can't play with monster trucks because you're going to become a man. And yeah. so... We and those are all stories. That's what I really find very fascinating about the whole society. We're we're creating story makers. Yeah, we're the story makers. I love the shamanic path, you know, because that's all about stories. It's it. We create the stories since we begin with birth. The moment that we are born, we're given clothes depending on our gender. Mm-hmm. And the story begins right and at that And our culture, point. and our, yep. our socioeconomic <laughs> status, and we are automatically brought into so many layers of conditions, and there is nothing like traveling somewhere else to realize the stories that we perpetuate. I mean, we're fanatical about showers, and smelling good, and looking good, and being wealthy, and having bigger, better, and, and there's other parts of the world where they just want a clean drink of water. Can I just have something to eat? They could care less what they're wearing, how they smell. They haven't even got there yet. And we're proud that we're so evolved that these are our concerns. And I think maybe that's where we can take another look and go, but how happy is that story making us that we're so evolved that these are things to be proud about, right? Yeah, the, the, that's kind of like the creation and the destruction at the same time. By creating the world that we live in, we're destroying the human spirit as its potential. So then we have to go back into the personal development to recreate our human <laughs> spirit. So, hey, we're also creators and destroyers all at the same time. We are. We are so powerful. We are so much more powerful than we know what to do with. And so much more powerful than most other people around us know what to do with us, right? So we're trying to learn how to navigate who we are in skin and as, while we're trying to navigate who everyone else is in skin and and come together and fit in, quote unquote, in some ways. And I love that so much of what I'm seeing now is about standing out and not fitting in because that emphasizes the totality. Although I see people rebelling to that. You know, what I see is we fight and try and work to fit the mold. And then when we don't fit the mold, we rebel and go the other way. And we're so angry from all those years of trying to fit in the mold that then we're like, screw everybody. I'm going to be the, and it doesn't have to be either way. What if we just relax into the allowing of who we're here to be? And I don't know about you, but when I meet another that's really unique, those are my favorite people on the planet, the people living their uniqueness, not from anger or from compliance, but from authenticity. It's so powerful. There was a a quote that I read. I'm trying to remember it, but it was something along the lines of even those peaceful people that we see out there, it's not that they're not thinking the thoughts that we're talking about right now. It's just that they're observing themselves also within that. 
And when we're talking about developing your skill sets, it doesn't mean that you're going to erase them completely and they're going to be gone and you're never going to think about it. And, oh, you know, the sky's open and you're all angelic and everything. But it's not that. It's that you're in, you're in human form and you are dealing with other people around your world. Unless you just want to be a hermit and be on your own. But, <laughs> but either way it goes, you're always going to have those emotions. And learning how to deal with the emotions that have been programmed into you is what the secret is. It's learning to be able to, you always hear, be the observer. And the first time I heard that, what in the world does that mean? And to me, it just means, oh, there's that emotion. Oh, I'm angry. Oh, okay. Why am I angry? And usually it's not even about them. It's usually about something that happened to me in my past. And that's... To me, one of the biggest lessons I've had out of all of this. Can you give an example what you mean? So, so for example, for me, I used to get really angry at when somebody would, would cut me off. And then somebody, I would be talking like right now, and then you would jump in right in the middle of my sentence. And I, it's like, oh, it, it would frustrate me, and then it would get me off balance, and I would get mad. But I still keep the conversation going. And now it's sometimes the way I see it, it's I like to say my thoughts thoroughly. And I like to talk, as you well know. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was interrupted, it would kind of scatter my thought. So I'd have to get back and and get there. And that was my frustration. That was my what what I was frustrated about. So whenever somebody would do that, I'd, I'd lose my train of thought. And I hate losing my train of thought. And here I go. It's like, oh, I got to start all over. So it was all frustration that I was putting on myself. And most of the time, these uh, people that would interrupt me, they were just excited. They were in the conversation and they had something to say. So it's nothing about them in that sense. You know, they're they're excited. Maybe uh, if they want to interject, maybe it's just me right now that at that point I was getting frustrated with it. And it's like now when people do that to me, I'm okay. It's like, Oh, okay. I just kind of keep the thought with it. But I don't have that anger anymore that I used to be mad or frustration, I guess, more frustrated than anything because I was afraid to lose my own thought. And how would you use the observer to catch yourself in that? What does that look like for somebody that's going, what on earth is he talking about be the observer? (laughs) So for me, when somebody would say something and then they would interject or interrupt, I would get an emotion. I I would feel something. And at that point in time, now, what I do, I I look at it. And I'll I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more. So what I do now, I I sense the emotion. And I go, oh, okay, there's, there's a weird feeling to me. And sometimes I don't even know what the feeling is. And this is all processing in my brain. Then I step back. So I kind of look at that feeling and I just go where that feeling is. And sometimes for me, it's in my stomach. Sometimes it's my chest. Sometimes it's my head or wherever. And I stand back and I look at it and I go, what is that? And sometimes I know, sometimes I don't know. But just by doing that stopping and looking where it's at gets you back into that point where you're okay. Because that is what kind of was distracting me. And it sounds like a long process I'm describing it, but it's all in your mind. As you're doing it, you're doing it in your mind, and it's quick. It's just like that. Like you snap it, 
as soon as you snap your fingers, that's how fast it moves through. But it takes practice. That's where I, I feel the meditation has been very important. And that helps me become more aware of my emotions. Because if I know where my, if my body is at rest right now, the way it is, and I can tell you like right now, uh, sometimes doing podcasts for me, I feel a little, little nervous and I feel it in my stomach. So I'm feeling my stomach. And as I'm talking, you know, it's as I'm recognizing the emotion, it's like it feels a little queasy. It feels like butterflies and nervousness. But as I'm talking through it, it's processing and I'm recognizing it. And now I'm, I'm recognizing it and I'm going, oh, okay. It's just nervousness. It's, it's okay because it's not going to hurt me. And I just have to feel comfortable with that emotion. It doesn't mean that I'm going to try and figure everything out about why it's nervous. It just means recognize it. That's all your emotions want to do. They want to be recognized. I wanted to go there because for me and for many people that I meet, we're, we've never experienced witnessing ourselves having feelings. And so, so much of what we do and our culture, again, is based on take a pill to not feel the pain or discomfort, change the situation real quickly, go, 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 go to avoid having to feel or look at. And yet when we get to a place where we stop and look at ourselves having these experiences in those uncomfortable moments and allow them to be what they are, they lose their power over us. We can finally stop running. We can finally, that's the first step in that self-acceptance and self-love that started the show talking about. And this morning I was joking with Mario. I said, you know, I think the happy Buddha was happy because the happy Buddha realized that it's all funny. It's all, look, wow, look at me having that emotion. Look at me having that temper tantrum inside. And isn't that funny? And just being able to stop being the reactor of everything that flows through us and start observing and allowing. And in that place, I do find great happiness. I do find my inner happy Buddha. <laughs> See, you have a happy Buddha. I you always talk have... <laughs> about me and that I'm the happy Buddha, but you also have a happy Buddha. You've you've really helped me with this. So I think it's wonderful that you're sharing this with, with us because it's one of the most powerful things. I am very much like a hummingbird. I go, 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 go. And I ran from a lot of my feelings for a long time. Learning how to feel them and accept them and allow them to flow has been quite a journey for me. But it's beautiful. It's it's my humanity. It's allowing myself to be human. And it's so important for self-acceptance and self-love. And I think you said it really well. I mean, our society has taught us to cover up pain with pills. And when you are running away from the pain, you're losing what the pain is actually telling you. And as weird as that sounds, the pain is there because something is wrong whether it's emotional, physical, I mean, there, there is a pain. And discovering what that pain is, for me, has always been very beneficial because it gives, it tells me, oh, okay, well, yeah, my leg is broken or something, you know? <laughs> I might want to get that looked I might want to get a look. <laughs> but if I pop in, a, it's like, oh, my, my leg is hurting a little bit. Oh, da, da, da. Let me go ahead and take a pill and that, that'll be okay. Now, of course, I'm being extreme right now, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. Then if I'm sad, in our society, we're taught it's, oh, you can't be sad. That's, it, it's some, suck it up. Suck it up. It's like man up is the common man, man phrase that you hear. And 
that that causes you to, oh, well, I'm not going to feel that pain. So we start blocking that pain mentally. And the power that we have, I mean, just look at that, that we can block a pain, an emotional pain, a trauma from our childhood. I mean, we're pretty strong little creatures. And when we use a artificial pill or something to block it, you're never going to understand where what's that from. Drugs, alcohol, work. I'm 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 a multi-talented individual. I can block pain in so many ways. It's ridiculous, <laughs> and that's all fine. You know, I remember at one point talking to a light worker friend of mine, and I said, "You know, I've been eating my feelings for years," and the response was the last thing I expected. Isn't that wonderful that sugar was there for you when people couldn't be? That you knew you had something you could turn to that you would feel good, and that's that's such a important thing to think about for a moment that there's always been something to comfort us or numb us when that's what we needed. And that's all okay until we're ready to sit with it. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm grateful for the whole journey, the the <laughs> stuff that we want to fix and the self help and the, all of it is, is all part of leading to the same place of, Oh, it's all just been about me. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you have to look and fix everything. I'm just saying when you're ready to look at that, it's always there. It's your choice. You can always choose whatever you want. And and all the choices are actually really good. The, there is no wrong choice because it's exactly what you need. Isn't that nice? So see, if you checked in for self-help, we have no self-help tips for you today. <laughs> this is about acceptance. Looking in the mirror and saying... What if I'm already everything I need to be? How does that feel in my stomach? How does that look in the mirror? What if it's already all right here and I don't have anything to go find? And ironically, that's the coaching work that I love the most. That's what I love about coaching. I don't help anybody fix anything. I help people see that they're already everything they ever wanted to be and how we can learn to let that out more and more every day. It's a powerful journey. And Mario, you do the same thing with men and I work with women. And it's just a beautiful gift to see somebody breathe in their enoughness, isn't it? Yes, it is. And the the key word is trust yourself because I can't give you the trust you can't give yourself. And there's today's parting thought. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you next week when we'll have another guest on. Thanks, Mario. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Cheryl. (laughs) Bye. Would you like to be a guest on Exploring Possibilities? Drop me a note at info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.